Well, I appreciate uh, the opportunity to be with you. Uh, my, my mind kind of works in, in kind of logical order. So there's a, there's a structure to what we're doing, right? We start with, if I'm lost, what are the consequences? I think people have to understand the, the situation that they're in to, to understand how much they need God. Um, we have, in, in this place, I'm talking about you. You have what your neighbor needs. You have in Jesus, what, what you found in him is what the person that you work with tomorrow needs. The people that you meet at the supermarket, that the folks that wait on you in the bank, which I guess I'm getting older, my wife thinks that's funny. I like to go to the bank and cash my check. She wants them to just put it in the bank for us. I like to go and talk to people. She said, do they like to talk to you? I don't know, but that, that's just me. All those people that we have the opportunity to interact with tomorrow, we have what they need. They need Jesus. If I'm lost, we talked about it this morning, I'm separated, my sins have separated me from God. I can't fulfill his intended purpose in my life. I'm never gonna see the beauty of heaven. I'm gonna have to suffer the agony of hell and lost people are rarely lost alone. They almost always take somebody else with them. There are people in my life that are following me. There are people that, they're in my footsteps. And I want to lead them to heaven. I want it to be safe for them to follow me. That following me will lead them into a deeper relationship with God. It will help them to love Jesus more and more. But listen, uh, if, I'm, if I am lost, there's a pretty good chance my influence is going to cause other people to follow that example. We talked about if I'm lost, whose fault is it? And so this morning, we said, you, you can't blame God. He gave his son. And you can't blame Jesus. He, he laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. He laid it down. He took it up again. But, but he gave up his life. Uh, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, we can all say what the Apostle Paul said in that passage. He loved me and he gave himself for me. I can't blame him if I'm lost. You can't blame the Holy Spirit. We talked about how the Holy Spirit not only brings complete, like full remembrance to the apostles, everything Jesus taught them, but, but then he led them into all truth. Tonight we're going to talk about where, where do I go? If I'm lost, where do I turn? For help. Now, before we get into that, if you want to invite people and you want to know what you're inviting them for, to, tomorrow night, the, the, just what must I do? There's some things that a lost person must do. We're going to talk about how they must hear the truth. They must believe in Jesus. They must repent of sin. They must confess that Jesus is Lord or the Son of God. And they must be baptized. We're going to cover all of the passages that talk about those things. On Tuesday night, if, if I'm lost, what are some common mistakes that people make? And we're actually going to look at uh, an Old Testament story, uh, Naaman the leper, and some things that he did, some mistakes that he made, and then apply that to some of the common mistakes that lost people make. And then on Wednesday night, th there's a sense of urgency. 
If I, if I knew that I was lost, I wouldn't leave this building tonight. Uh, I'm just telling you. you. You know, I was the kind of kid that when I did something wrong, I told on myself. Nobody told on me. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't stand it. I don't carry, I don't handle guilt well. I got, I got to have a clear, kind of clean conscience. And so we're going to talk about some biblical examples of kind of there's a sense of immediacy in the New Testament. When, when people understood how to be saved, they did it right away. Well, that's what's coming. And I appreciate you all being here and, and loving uh, God and, and having a passion for hung, hungering and thirsting. For righteousness, and I hope that uh, some things will be said during our time together that will uh, help kind of satisfy that spiritual longing uh, that you have for the Lord. Okay, if I'm lost tonight, number one, I must turn to the Bible. And so we have this story in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is baptized, he's led out into the wilderness to be tempted, and one of the temptations is to turn stone into bread, and, and he's quoting from Deuteronomy 8 and verse 3, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, G Jesus, Jesus is saying something here that I think a lot of people in the world do not understand. That there are a lot of people that understand what it takes to be physically healthy. They understand food for the body. What they don't understand is food for the soul. They understand that I've got to have a good, healthy diet if I'm going to be physically healthy. They don't value the fact I've got to have a good spiritual diet if I'm going to be spiritually healthy. There are a lot of people that are lost because they do not know the Word of God. That, that, he's, that he's speaking, not, not, not in an audible voice that we can hear, that he's speaking to us through Scripture. That, that, that over the years, we can open up the Bible and we can hear the voice of God as he speaks through the inspired word that he's given to us. And the only way to develop and, and maintain spiritual health is by reading and studying and practicing the truth found in God's word. If you're lost, you don't need my opinion. If, if you're lost... What, what, you, what you don't need from, from anybody else is what somebody, I think it was Mark Twain, called it the all-sufficient people say. He said, it's always like that in, in religion. You know, you're asking questions and all you get is people say, well, my granny believed or my dad used to say or the preacher preaches. Doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? We want a word from God. If I'm lost, I want to know how to please God. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. And hearing through the words of God or the word of Christ. There's, there's something about hearing and reading the Bible that produces faith. In John 20, not, not every book of the Bible has a purpose statement. But some books of the Bible tell us exactly why they were written. And John, the Gospel of John, does that. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these uh, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. I've, I've done this long enough to know that there are people who, who say, I don't believe the Bible. You don't? Have you ever read it? No, but I don't believe in it. What do you mean you don't believe in it? You, you've, never, you've never investigated. You've never read it. 
These, these, John says, I didn't write down everything Jesus did, but I wrote these things down so that you would believe that he is who he claimed to be and that you would have life in his name. You've got to read the Bible. If you're lost, turn to the Bible. 1 John 5 and verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I, I do a Bible study that basically breaks down in three sections. I want people to know who Jesus is. I, I want them to know what Jesus is did for us and I want them to know how to respond to that and I always start with this you can know that you have eternal life how can you know that you have eternal life he says I write these things to you we can know that we have eternal life through the things that have been written if I'm lost where do I turn man run to the Bible I'm so excited. There's a fellow that lives across the street from, from where I preach. He lives in an apartment complex right across the street. I've seen him twice now. And he said, I've been reading my Bible. <laughs> Amen. Right? And he said, and I decided I'm, I'm going to go to church. If he, keeps right, if he keeps reading his Bible, you know what's going to happen? He's going to come to know Jesus Christ. He's going to develop faith in God. He's going to develop a confidence, not just believing in the name of the Son of God. He's going to know that he has eternal life. If he keeps reading the Bible, he's going to find out how to live a life that honors and pleases God. James 1 in verse 21, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. We, look, sometimes you've got to do a little weeding, right? You're going to, the, the, the word is you know the seed of the kingdom is the word of God and sometimes we've got to weed some things there's some things in our heart that we've got to get out of our heart he uses the words filthiness and rampant wickedness we're going to we're going to rip those things out why so that our heart can be receptive soil we're going to plant the seed of God's word meekness with meekness this implanted word what does it do I'll tell you what it can do it has the power to save your soul I've said, I've said, I've been on that end of this. You, you understand? I, I've, I've been where you are listening. And I can't tell you how many times the word of God has brought me under deep conviction. That, that double-edged sword that cuts both ways. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the word being preached in a way that brings me under deep conviction. And, and guides me back into the straight and narrow way that leads to life. Psalm 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. There are a lot of claims there in everything that we just read. If you read the Bible, you're going to be confronted with the truth about Jesus. Uh, it will convict you about the sin that is in your life. The truth of the Bible will convince you that Jesus is the Son of God. That you can have eternal life in his name. It has the power to convert and to save. There, there are a lot of people that doubt that. There are a lot of people that don't believe it. Some people put it to the test. I hope you'll do that. When my family first started going to church, and I'll talk to you more about that at the conclusion tonight, there was a meeting. I don't remember all the different preachers that came to hold meetings, but th there was one meeting that I remember because it didn't happen in the church building. It happened in the high school auditorium. 
and the speaker was a high school science teacher and he used to be an atheist and I thought how, how interesting is that we're going to go to the high school auditorium and, and listen to an atheist tell us about why he became a Christian maybe you have heard of does God exist John Clayton I, I don't subscribe to everything that, that John Clayton uh, has written or all the different views that he's taken on creation but but I want you to listen to what he said uh, about the Bible he said when he first read the Bible his his goal was to prove that it was unreliable he's got a little book uh, that's the source and he talks about why I left atheism and he says I read the Bible through from cover to cover four times during my sophomore year in college for the explicit purpose of finding scientific con contradictions in it he read it to prove it wrong he said by that I mean statements in the Bible that were false to show how ridiculous it was to believe in God I'd even decided that I was going to write a book called all the stupidity of the Bible he never wrote that book something amazing happened instead as he read through the Bible what did he say four times he was overwhelmed with conviction now I'm quoting from a pamphlet that he wrote called leaving atheism he said supper time came and I was sitting there my roommate came in and he said are, are you ready to eat and I said nope not hungry are you sick he said yeah I'm sick I'm sick of me I'm sick of being sinful and selfish using people being dishonest he said at the time I didn't really understand what that meant I didn't know what was happening but now I do he said that's what repentance is about getting so sick of selfish egotistical destructive living that turn and, 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 and turning back to God's way to turn uh, to a life that has value meaning and direction he, he, he talked about he knew where the Church of Christ was and he knew that it was Wednesday night and that they would have a midweek service and he got up and he, and he walked to church and he said when they when they offered the invitation that night I walked down and, and I knew that something major was going to change that I was going to have to tell people I'm no longer an atheist I now believe that there is God and I was going to have to tell people that I had changed my mind. Not only is there a God, he said, I, I am fully persuaded that Jesus Christ is his son. And he went down that Wednesday night, made the confession, and was baptized. He said, I realized I was totally, completely lost in my sins, that I needed to be baptized to have forgiveness. Second Peter 1 and verse 3, his, his divine power is, has given us everything we need. This translation says required for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. I, I know that this book will tell us who God is and what, what he's like, his holy nature. It, it, will, it will bring us to faith in Jesus, that Jesus really is God's son. But I'm going to tell you, this, this book... It tells you how to live. 
It tells you to have, how, how to have good relationships with other people. Last time uh, you invited me to come, we talked about it was a marriage seminar. And, it, and if I did any good at all, I, I told you what the Bible says about how to have a, a great marriage. How to be a husband who loves your wife the way Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. How to be a wife that, that submits to her husband as unto the Lord. How, how to live together with Jesus having lordship, not just over your life, but over all of your relationships. This is a very practical book. It shows you how to get along with your neighbor, how to reconcile with people when you're not getting along, how to both offer and accept forgiveness, how to heal broken relationships. Listen, if, if, I, if, if I were lost, I would want somebody to open this book and share it with me. I, I would want to read it. I'd want to study it. I'd want to learn about it. I want to, I want to put this book in practice in my life. If you're lost, where do you turn? Now, I know this next answer. It's not going to help everybody. But, but for the church, I want you to know you should be able to turn to your family. There, there, are, there are children who are growing up in congregations like this, and they need to be able to go to mom and dad. They need to be able to go to their own family to learn the truth about Jesus. I don't know who does the studies. I don't know where these statistics come from, but there's a staggeringly large number. The percentage is very high now of children growing up in churches of Christ that when they leave home, they leave the church, they leave Christ, they leave faith. I asked a friend of mine, why do you think we're losing so many of our children? He said, Tim, I think we're losing them because we never had them to start with. We have an opportunity when our children are small to win their hearts. I have a co-worker named Dale Hartman and his formula for parents, he says, win their hearts, fill their minds, put their hands to work. And I'm telling you that that may be simple, but that formula works. Win their hearts for Jesus, fill their minds with scripture. And as soon as you can get them actively engaged in serving others, let's, let's get them busy. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That's, listen, I'm on a mission. And, and if, you're, if you're a father in this audience, you have a mission. He, here's, here's the thing. We have a lot of wonderful parents who make sure that their children have food to eat, clothes to wear, and a nice comfortable home to live in. We're trying to do everything we can to make sure they get a good education. Well, what if we provide for all of their physical needs? We, we do everything we can to make sure that they're socially well-adjusted, that they have good friends, and that, that they're, you know, they're enjoying activities and things that, that are good for them. And, and yet, there's another part of their personality. I said it this morning, that the soul is the only thing about us that lasts forever. And how can we spend so much time focusing on the physical? 
or you know, focusing on the educational or focusing on the social aspect of their lives and not understand we have a, a great responsibility for their spiritual well-being. We need to pray with our children. We need to read the Bible with our children. We, we need to invite our children into serving the Lord alongside of us. I told Damon he's doing a great job back there because sometimes I read this and sometimes I make it up as I'm going along. Um, this is not on the outline. Here's some things that I did that, that were such a joy to me as a father. Bedtime was, was my time. And I, I like to read Bible stories to my children. And I like to sing with my children. And I, and I like to pray with my children. That, that may not be the time that you choose, but find some time where you can do that. As a minister, I spent a lot of time visiting elderly people. And I spent a lot of time in hospitals. And I would almost always take one of my kids with me. In fact, to the point where if I walked in without one of them, the people were a little bit disgusted. They didn't want to see me. They wanted to see one of my cute little kids, you know. And I remember one time we went to the hospital. I had about two or three songs that I felt comfortable, you know, singing. I would do Jesus Loves Me or Jesus Loves the Little Children or um, We Love You with the Love of the Lord. And so there was an older fella, uh, Herb Flegel, and we went in and we held his hand and we, we, you know, we had a prayer and we sang some songs. And one of the ladies from across, the patient from across the hall started yelling out a requests of other songs I thought lady you don't know I got a limited deal here I do about two or three songs and she started could you sing and I thought I got to hustle out of here before they have me leading songs I don't know those moments are so important to the spiritual development of our children if you want your children to serve God invite them to serve God alongside of you this summer we, we left a day apart from each other. My wife flew with our 17-year-old son to Denver. Uh, we've got a youth minister that's from Denver. Our, our teenagers go up there every summer. They do service projects. They do vacation Bible school with the church there. Um, my wife went with our teenager, and they went on a mission trip in Denver. The next day, uh, our middle child, Callie, is 21. She's a junior in college. She flew with me, and we, we spent about 12 or 13 days uh, serving the church in Australia. It's a great trip. When we, the day before we got back, she got on another plane and flew with our son uh, to, to the Bahamas. We have missionaries that we support in the, in, in the Bahamas. They've planted a church there. And so a, a bunch of people from our congregation, it wasn't a youth trip, it was just a, a group of folks from North MacArthur that went down there. I, I think those experiences are not just valuable to us because we, we want to have great relationships with it. We're serving God together. And so we want them to see us doing that. Train up a child. This is the next passage on the outline and the way he should go when he's old he won't depart from it can I just tell you I'm not here to hurt anybody I, 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 I'm not here to hurt people I know that I'm preaching to people who love their children 
And that there are times we've brought our children to Bible class and we've brought them to VBS and we've taken them to mission trips and they grow up and, and some of them still are not faithful. That is not a hard and fast rule. I think, I think the Proverbs are principles that are, that are generally but not always true. I think there's one perfect father, that's God. And he's always trying to get his children back. Is that not right? I do think that's a general rule. And generally speaking, when we train our children, they're not going to depart from it. And in the cases that they do, they know what they have to come back to. And some that drift will come back. Sometimes, even though we train up our children and we show them the way they should go, uh, when they get older, they do depart from it. But we should be doing everything we can to keep them. In Genesis 18 and verse 19, God is saying this about Abraham. I have known, for I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. What, what, what does God commend? He's, he's complimenting something about Abraham. He's commanding his children and his household. What's he teaching his children? Keep the way of the Lord. Do righteousness and justice. I, I, I want my children not just to know the truth. I want them to live it. I, I want them to be listening through Scripture as God teaches us the kind of people he wants us to be, the, the, the kind of lives he wants us to live. Follow him. You know, listen, I, I know there are times that parents outlive their children. I don't want to outlive my children. At some point, I'm not going to be here. And I want them to know how to follow God without me. I want them to know how to do what pleases God when, when their daddy's not here to point out the things they should be doing. I want to give them a relationship of their own that they know him. I told this friend his picture was going to be in my PowerPoint. His name is... Ezra Nichols, that's his son Stephen. He's got, he's got two boys right now that are, that, that are at Bear Valley training to be preachers. They may be 18 and 19 years old. They're just little, they're, they're, they're boys. And I love this family. And so I got this picture, and right after, right after Ezra baptized Stephen, that's his youngest, he whispered in his ear, I, I love you, Stephen. And Stephen said, I love you too, Dad. And they were standing there in the water, and Stephen said, that's four out of four. He's, you, you know, he's the youngest of four. He's saying, Dad, you're batting a thousand. You got all four. And then he was a little more serious, and he said, that wasn't a coincidence. You see, these kids, these kids came up in Bible school. They were raised up in church. 
They, they were raised up going to family camp. They were raised up having devotionals in their home. He didn't get lucky. His wife's name is Wendy. Ezra and Wendy didn't get lucky. Boy, they're lucky. All four, no. From, from the time those kids came into their world, they started teaching them to love Jesus, to serve God. And isn't that an amazing thing for his, his son, his teenage son, to say, it's not a coincidence. You see, he understood. Even as a young teenager, he understood. Dad, this is the fulfillment. Everything you and mom have been working towards all my life. I think those boys probably are not going to do traditional ministry. I think they're going to find some adventures. One of them was in, Stephen was in Alaska this summer. He had an internship. He was, he was working for free. They, they don't have money to live off of. They're living off of support to go to school. And he's up there serving some church in a mission point in Alaska. His brother was up in uh, one of the northeastern states. One of his professors went up there to plant a church, and he went along with him. I wish everybody had a family like that. I know, I know some people don't. But lost people can always turn to the word of God. I wish that they could turn to their family. But if they can't, they can turn to us. And that's number three. If you're lost, you want to hear the word of God. If you're lost and you're blessed to have a Christian family, you want to go to your mom and dad. You want to go to your brothers and sisters. There, there are some people that it's multi-generational faith. There, there are those that are in the North MacArthur Church where, where I preach. I, I knew the, what was it, great-grandmother, the grandmother, the mom and dad, the, the teenager, which is now a young married couple, and, and now their children. There's five generations that have been in that church. If you don't have that, that brings us to the church. Somebody called the church God's plan A for evangelism. And, and listen, he doesn't have a plan B. There are all kinds of wonderful organizations that, that meet physical needs. But there isn't, there isn't anybody else except God's church that has the mission of saving souls. That is uniquely and distinctively our mission. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. He's saying that the responsibility of sharing the gospel has been entrusted to us. That's a consistent theme in the New Testament. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and we read it, I mean, we read some of these this morning. We'll probably read them again as, as we go through the week. Uh, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. I'm just, I'm just reading verses that, that talk about our responsibility, things we're supposed to be doing as God's church in the world today. Brethren, if a man's overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
Uh, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turn, t- turns him back, let, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover over a multitude of sins. It's our job to go make disciples. It's our job to, to be teaching people and baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's our, it's our job to keep on teaching people whatsoever Christ has commanded. Teach them about Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Keep teaching them to obey Jesus. And if they, if they wander away, you go get them and you bring them back. I'm working with a congregation that loves people but tells the truth. I don't know another way to do that. And there are people that come to us sometimes that, that are in a situation that, that God will not accept. And we've got to deal with that immorality in a loving way and, and make sure they understand we're here not to reject you, not to judge and condemn, but to love you Listen, transformation through love. We want, we want to know, we want you to know how much God loves you. And in a loving way, we want to lead you from where you are to where God wants you to be. We have a visitor that met with one of our elders this morning, and, and he had a really difficult conversation. And, and we've had conversations like this before. There, there are things that if you are coming to Jesus, there are things that you have to turn away from. You cannot continue in sin expecting grace to abound. And I want to tell you, some of those conversations are difficult and painful. But we need to love people enough to have those difficult and painful conversations. We have to love people enough to tell them the truth. It's not just that this is immoral. It's not just that God has, he's perfect in holiness and and his standards of righteousness and, and all of that is right. But I'm telling you that God's ways are best and we want God's best for other people. We got to share that with them. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes people who know the truth wander away from the truth. We got to go get them. We've got to love them enough that when when they walk away from us, we make every effort to bring them back. I met somebody tonight that said they, they read my book, The Domino Effect, and I tell this story at the beginning of, of the book. My dad dropped out of high school. I think he was a junior. He, he enlisted in the Air Force. He was stationed in Roswell, New Mexico. And while he was there, he met a member of the Main Street Church of Christ. And that man taught my dad and baptized him. He had to be in his late teens, early 20s. As a child, I didn't know that my dad was a Christian. We never went to church. Uh, 
he, he didn't go to drinking parties. We hosted parties. I, I went with him in, into the beer distributor. At one point, one of the homes we lived in, the beer distributor was right behind our house. Those folks could see me and my brothers playing in our front yard. And one Christmas, they got us a football for Christmas. They knew us. I'd help load a keg into the trunk. I'd, I'd help carry in cases of beer. I, I saw things as a little kid that, that I shouldn't have, I should never have been exposed to, but I, I did. I told you about my oldest brother this morning that a couple years ago he passed away in his sleep. Well, Jeff was probably a sophomore or a junior in high school, and we weren't going to church. I, I knew so little about the Bible that when we finally started going to church, they had an icebreaker game where they put the name of a Bible character on your back, and then they would give you, they would give you hints. He was a fisherman. I, I didn't know it was Peter. He walked on water, and then he sank. I didn't know it was Peter. You know, he, he denied the Lord three times. I didn't know who they were talking about. I did not know the Bible. So my dad is looking at his three sons, and he's realizing that his oldest is about to graduate. If he's going to do something, he better do it now. He walks into the 4th and Art Street Church of Christ. It was a weekday. The, the doors were open. The preacher came out, found, found him at the track rack. He was looking through the tracks on the wall. And his name was Lon Mahundro. He was a Texan. He'd gone to Sunset in Lubbock. He'd come up to Pennsylvania to preach the gospel. And my dad said, uh, I noticed you're having a vacation Bible school. I thought about sending my, my sons. And he said, don't, don't send your sons to VBS. Bring your sons to VBS. And he had the audacity to say to my father, you know where you ought to be. That, that's what he told him. You know where you ought to be. The man had been out of the church for 20 years. They came to our home with film strips. You all remember film strips? Where they got a cassette player for the audio. They've got a projector. And they showed us Jewel Miller film strips. And I remember the day that my dad went forward and he was restored and my mom went forward and she was baptized. And then I've got two older brothers and, and I was baptized and they were baptized. There are people that need hope. And they need help. And some of them are afraid to come to a place like this. Because they've heard, they've heard alarming stories about the way some Christians have behaved. I told Gary this on the way over here tonight. That, I know that that's true. I know that's happened. It hadn't been my experience. I, I was a cussing little kid when I came to church. I'm just telling you. My, my brother and I started a club called the Cursing Club. Isn't that weird? If you hear a good one, I want you to teach it to me. That's true. That really happened. And we had a very full vocabulary. You know what those people did with us? They loved us. Do you know how I got to know God? Through people that love God. They told me about Jesus. They were patient with the different. We were different. And throughout the course of my life, 
People like you have been patient with me, have forgiven me, have loved me, have encouraged me, have trained me, have believed in me. I'm not standing here doing what I'm doing tonight without people like you. I think about it all the time. Where would I be? What would, what would my life be like if God hadn't brought those people into my life? You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't know them, but I'll, I'll, remember, I'll remember them forever. Lon and Jean Mahundro, Dixie Gavison, Barb Faint, Richard, Mary Jane Troutman, Jim Blood. These are the people that welcomed us into their homes, invited us over for dinner, taught us the gospel. I got to tell you, this is free. It doesn't help my sermon, but I like telling it. I was a high school basketball player. I broke my brother's record. I'm the all-time leading scorer in Middleburg High School. I had to put it in the sermon somehow. I had to fit that in. This preacher would come to the game, and at halftime of the JV game, all these people from church would come in, and my teammates knew who they were. They'd say, hey, Tim, the church bus just pulled up, and it was my preacher. It was members of that church. They traveled all over watching us play. And I knew where they were because if I did something good, that preacher's wife was from Texas, and I'd hear, Yahoo! I knew where she was. That's my preacher's wife up there in the stands. Those people loved me into Jesus. And if people in Omaha are lost, I hope they can find the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Because this is a place you can come to hear the gospel. This is a place you can come to heal. This is a place you can come to grow. You know what? You can, your soul could be saved in a place like this. Last, last verse, Acts 4.12. Turn to, yeah, sorry. T turn to the Bible, turn to your family, turn to the church. I think people are in one of two places tonight. You're either lost in sin or you're saved in Christ. There's no third alternative. There's no I'm somewhere in between. When, when, you, when you leave here tonight, you're in one of two places. Some, some of you may walk out of this building lost in sin. But you can leave this building being saved in Christ. Salvation is found in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. If you're lost, you must be saved. And the salvation you need, it's in Jesus. It's in Jesus. When I read my Bible, passages like Romans 6, 1 through 4, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, the Bible says that... that that a way a person gets into Christ is by being baptized into Christ. Sometimes when I study with people, I just make a big circle. And I write down all the blessings. Life is in Christ. Grace is in Christ. Forgiveness is in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. Redemption is in Christ. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The only way to be a new creation is to be in Christ. And we just put all these things that every spiritual blessing is in Christ. 
And then I help them understand what the Bible says. If all of the blessings that God has poured out from the heavenly places is in Christ, and, and according to Ephesians 1 and verse 3, that's where all of God's blessings are. They're in Christ. Then I want to be in Christ. And the way to get into Christ is to be baptized into Christ. We'll talk more about that as we go along tonight. If you have any questions about anything that we've said in any of the lessons today, I'm happy to talk to you. I know Gary's happy to talk to you. I think they're members of this church. I've been here uh, before. I think there are people here that can tell you, they can open the Bible and answer your questions. But I got a question for you tonight. What are you, what are you waiting for? What, whether you're outside of Christ and, and you need to be baptized into Christ, or you're a member of the church that just has not been committed. You, you need to come to Jesus. You know what really shocked me? When we shut down for the pandemic, I was, I was complete, I was overconfident. I said, everybody that went home is going to come back. You know what? They didn't all come back. Some of them still haven't come back. They weren't committed. It's easy to drift. It's easy to slowly wander away from where you ought to be. And so tonight, the invitation, come to Jesus, come back to Jesus as we stand and sing.